Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Hey, what's going on? It is Devin. Thank you so much to everybody who came out to our Oakland meetup on Wednesday. It was so great to meet some of you and learn about you and talk about the show. As we've mentioned, we'll be taking our summer break for all of July, and we'll be using some of your feedback to think about how to make the Bay even better. So thanks again. After President Trump announced Monday on Twitter that we should expect a huge round of deportations next week, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff had this to say. I I hope it is just more mindless rhetoric as he prepares to announce his re-election bid, but we have got to be prepared. Immigration authorities are supposedly preparing a mass deportation for undocumented immigrants. They seem to be targeting those who've been given final deportation orders, but it's still really unclear whether this type of deportation is even possible. What is certain is that many immigrants made a long and emotional journey to the U.S. seeking a better life. Today, we revisit a story we published last December about one family's migrant journey to the Bay Area. The episode is hosted by our editor, Erica Aguilar, and our story starts with KQED immigration reporter Farida Javala Romero. So we were looking for ways to cover the migrant caravan. Farida Javela Romero covers immigration for KQED. Right now, thousands of migrants are trekking uh, in a caravan toward Mexico's southern border. On the uh, Guatemalan side of this river border, uh, they're cheering, uh, honking horns. Which at this point was crossing Mexico. Over 600 of them riding trains, walking miles to get to the U.S.-Mexico border. Just a few miles south of the border in Playa de Tijuana, and they had mixed reaction as they arrived at the bus station in Tijuana earlier today. My main idea at first was trying to see if there were people in the Bay Area who were trying to support the caravan in some way or going down there, you know. And then someone told me about Veronica Aguilar, who had come in a caravan, smaller caravan, last year. And now she uh, was living with a family in Pinal. Espectacular. And I was like, wait, what? You know, like, what? how did that happen? And so, so Veronica says that she had a steady job as a seamstress and a home. ¿De qué parte del Salvador eres? Yo soy de la capital. Yo soy In San Salvador, de la capital. the capital of El Salvador, where she grew up. Te digo, yo iba al gimnasio y a mí me gustaba caminar. Entonces yo caminaba de mi casa al gimnasio. 
she would walk daily to her gym and have to cross uh, rival gang territory. Pero en ese territorio yo pasaba lugares diferentes, pandilla. Y gracias a Dios, pues pasé mucho tiempo que a mí nunca me dijeron nada. So she says there was one gang that started suspecting her. Maybe they, they didn't know why she was able to cross so easily. A preguntarse por qué a mí no me hacían nada. And so she started getting death threats that if she didn't leave her house, they were going to kill her. All because, like, she can cross over this barrier? She could cross, and then also she had, a, a at some point, a relationship with one um, member of a gang. He went to jail, and there were other people who just resented her. She felt like she couldn't she couldn't stay in her home in San Salvador. Cuando yo salí de mi país, yo solamente salí porque tenía venía huyendo de mi vida por problemas de pandillas. I mean, you hear this over and over from people who are seeking asylum from El Salvador that gangs are just everywhere. So last October, Veronica Aguilar said goodbye to her children and her mother and started on this journey of finding a new home away from El Salvador. First, she ended up going to Mexico. Llegando a México, yo mi idea era buscar un trabajo o algo, hacer algo allí, porque yo decía que, que iba, o sea, buscando opciones. Trying to see if she could live in Mexico and work there, but she didn't feel very safe there either. And so when she heard about a caravan of about 350 people, she thought maybe that was her, her way out. In Mexico, un lugar muy difícil, yo me voy con ellos. How long did it take from, for her to travel from Mexico to the U.S. border? She joined the caravan right near the border with Guatemala and Mexico. Era un el lunes 9. Fue un lunes 9. ¿De qué? De octubre. Del año pasado. Del año pasado. Entonces, empezamos a caminar. Bueno, she said it took her about three weeks mm -hmm. to make her way to Tijuana. And when she got to Tijuana, what did she do? In Tijuana, she was part of a legal workshop of an organization called Al Otro Lado mm -hmm. and decided that she wanted to try to um, request asylum in the U.S., which means that you have to go to a port of entry. So she went to El Chaparral Pedestrian Crossing, which is right next to San Isidro, and she requested asylum. She passed her credible fear interview. What does that mean? I assume what it means is like, do you really have a fear of going back home to El Salvador? Exactly, of yeah. persecution. Like, if you have, if you go back to your country, are you are you afraid you might? Like, what's going to happen? to Yeah, you? you might die. Yeah. There was another very important thing and life-changing for Veronica that um, happened to her, which is that she was locked up for seven months in an immigration detention facility in Orange County. Mm -hmm. And the Trump administration has been detaining more asylum seekers while their immigration cases unfold in immigration court. Que por medio de ellos y otras organizaciones... 
And so Veronica would still be detained if it wasn't for a nonprofit that raised funds to pay for her bond. And also helped find a couple here in the Bay Area who would sponsor her. Who's she staying with? She's staying with Anne and Kent Moriarty. Anne is a former science teacher, middle school teacher. Um, now she writes a science curriculum for middle schools at the Lawrence Hall of Science in Berkeley. Kent is a mechanical engineer. We've been involved a little bit with working with immigrants and helping people apply for asylum and visiting people in detention, and so that their situation's not totally new to us. The couple committed to let Veronica live in their home. So they opened their home to basically a stranger so that she could get out of immigration detention. We've traveled a lot in Central America and South America and always been welcomed in always been been invited into homes for, for dinner or to stay the night or something like that. And this is just such a small way that we can give back and that we can um, welcome people to a place that's really scary. There are people who have volunteered in the past to visit detained immigrants. So they would go into detention centers and, you know, just hang out with people so they wouldn't feel alone, and also help immigrants with filling out applications. You know, it can be really complicated to fill out these long immigration application forms. So they told me that for them it really felt like a natural next step to let asylum seekers live with them. It wasn't something we spent a lot of time deciding, are we ready for this or not? There was a need, and and we were in a position to do it. And Veronica Aguilar has been staying with them for five months. They have a really um, warm relationship. Like I, when I was there, I saw them, you know, joke around. Here's a woman that is has these really big worries, you know, not only for her future, but also for her families. Para mí como... When she's with Kent and Anne, it just seems like it, it lightens her uh, load up a little bit. Like it's one less know. thing to have to worry one about, and they, and they have her about. back. And she, that's the thing. She feels like she's really been supported by them. Los quiero con todo mi corazón. Estoy muy agradecida con ellos. And she's just in awe and so inspired by how this, these two people who didn't know her would take her in. Para mí, Annie Kane son, son mi familia. So when I, when I met Veronica, when I went to see her, she always had her phone close to her. And she would be checking it constantly and getting beeps, you know. She's in WhatsApp and um, sending messages all the time and getting them. The reason she's, you know, so glued to her phone is because she was really worried about her 15-year-old son, who, when I met her, had already left El Salvador. So he was making his way um, in the caravan through Mexico. Sé que es fuerte como su madre. His name is Vladimir, and he's 15. 
Veronica wanted him to get out of San Salvador and El Salvador because um, she was very worried that gangs were going to recruit him. En nuestro país la violencia es muy grande más para los jóvenes ya adolescentes. And that if he refused, he was going to be in really grave danger. Porque aunque ellos no quieran andar en nada, solo el hecho de vivir en una colonia y cruzar a otras para ellos es, es, es muy difícil. Because he's 15, Veronica asked her mom to accompany him in the caravan all the way to the U.S. border. I went to Tijuana the week of uh, Thanksgiving to, you know, cover the migrant caravan. At that point, thousands of people were arriving in Tijuana but also to meet Veronica's son, Vladimir, and her mom, Lucy Diaz, who had just arrived there. ¿Se, se puede presentar, por favor? Sí, bueno, mi nombre es Lucy, vengo de El Salvador. Grandma is 55 years old. I met Lucy at um, a big outdoor sports complex that the city of Tijuana had turned into a shelter. When I was there, there were about 4,000 Central American migrants, lots of families. It was at night that I got there. And wow. uh, they weren't letting reporters in at that time. Oh, no. What so, did you do? Um, so Lucy came out to meet me. She also has a cell phone. I had her number. And it turns out Vladimir is not with her at what? that point. Wait, wait, where is he? They both landed in Tijuana. They were together at a smaller shelter before this larger one opened up. And Lucy decided that Vladimir would be much safer at a youth shelter, a smaller youth shelter. With, you know, regular meals, he has a roof over his head. And the most important thing for the family was that those kids have access to immigration attorneys. Lucy had already traveled with uh, her grandson for about 22 days at that point. Um, she felt like she couldn't stay in Tijuana and wait for him to go through that process of presenting himself to U.S. officials to seek asylum. She needed to go back home to El Salvador to take care of other grandchildren that she's helping to raise. For her, like the odyssey was to take this child to the border and then she needed to go back. That's why she put she put him in this uh, youth shelter. God, she's doing what she thinks is best for her family. She feels like she's saving this kid's life. What was that like having to tell her grandson goodbye? Lucy wanted to see her grandson Vladimir one more time before she left back to El Salvador. She had already bought bus tickets actually with money Veronica was able to send her from the Bay Area. And so I asked her if I could go with her 
And she said, yes. So we go together. Uh, we took this uh, ride to the um, youth shelter. It's uh, a two-story house. There's about a dozen teens that are watching TV on couches. I think they're watching a, a soccer game. And Vladimir gets up to say hi to his, to his grandma and gives her a big hug. Sí. He's a lanky, you know, kid with like a baseball cap, these kind of longish shorts and his tennis shoes. I think he was really happy to see her, yeah. you know, and he knew at this point that she was leaving and he was going to be on his own. They went to a quiet room to talk and say goodbye. She gave Vladimir this very long, close hug where she told him to remember that she loved him and that she wasn't... She hadn't brought him all the way to Tijuana to abandon him, but that she really felt like this was a way to give him a future. He gave her a crucifix, like a, a silver crucifix that he'd worn on, on the trip. And then he he just wanted to get out of there. He left the, the room. He needed space. Yeah, I think he just needed to be on his own. I mean, here's this 15-year-old who's going to be on his own in Tijuana. Um, and then he's going to have to cross the U.S. border, uh, seek asylum, request asylum, and try to make his way to his mom in the Bay Area totally on his own. You know, he didn't know if he would be even able to cross into the U.S. or not. Right. He didn't know what was going to happen if he was going to have to stay in Tijuana for months. So I think he was just really scared, and his eyes were really wide, and he just seemed really unsure of everything um and you know that's just that's just crazy that as a 15 year old you have to go through that mm. yeah. since we aired this story vladimir has reached the bay area and reunited with his mother earlier this year Erica Aguilar is editor of The Bay. Farida Javala Romero covers immigration and equity issues for KQED. This episode won a National Gracie Award, which recognizes stories made by and about women. Erica will be receiving the award in New York next week. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and our editor, Erica Aguilar. KQED's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you next week.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there. I'm Randa Dedfettah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 